The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, one. You found financial food for thought. You got Mark Dolly and Carrie Waddell. And happy Fourth of July, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Fourth of July, the somber summer of twenty-two. Is America excited about this Fourth of July? I think so. I think a lot of people are. I have a lot of neighbors. Actually, I had a few that put little um, flyers in my mailbox. Stop by. That's probably because they're and with a note that they're. Shooting off fireworks, probably. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's the new law this year, right? Oh, I don't know. They still, they've shot, shot them off every year. Well, but. no, it's Ohio, the state made it legal, but cities Which, can still ban it. Right, and I'm in a township, so that's probably. I don't know. I, so I don't even know. People, I was going to say, I, I know it was banned. We sold them everywhere, but I cracked up because the week before, grad parties, I always hear and see yeah. fireworks going off. So we'll see. So, I mean, it's always nice when the 4th falls around a weekend, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because you always get at least the three-day. You know, we're taping this show on Friday, the 1st. God, I can't believe the years have gone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I hope hope everybody gets excited. Uh, You know, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I think the the country is split right now. Uh, (laughs) But we, we had... I think I think the economy is worrying a lot of people, and that's what we've been talking about on this radio show. And and you know, there's data out now. There we have you know the, we got some GDP data and some con, uh, the, the CPE index came out. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that. Let's see what else I got. Um, so you know, the question becomes: Are you concerned enough about the economy that you're cutting back your vacation plans? Hmm. Or maybe even your 4th of July celebrations. Um, we'll talk a little about that. There's supposed to be great sales. Did you hear about this? So, so the, I'm all, if, if, I'm you're down shopping, for a sale. if you're shopping for clothes or outdoor furniture or things like that, apparently the big box stores have got so much stuff. Ooh. They don't know what to do with it. Is it all of them, Mark? Because I could always use a good sale. Well, Target, Walmart, okay. Macy's, Gap, American Eagle Outfitter. You know, now first they were saying that they were just going to give huge discounts, right? Okay, and and the problem is America shifted again. That's that's why corporations have to adjust, right? Because right? last summer with all the shutdown, we everyone was buying loungewear. Right, right. Pajamas, they weren't, they pajama weren't traveling <laughs> hoodies, you know, lounge pants, and all like that. And then they were buying outdoor furniture because mm-hmm. they were spending time at, at home. At home, right? It's the exact opposite this summer, right? So, so all the ships, you know, that finally brought over all the inventory that people wanted last year is now sitting in, and 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 those big bulky items. It's too costly for the big box stores to store them. Okay. So if you're looking for that, there may be some discounts. But then it got then another story came out that's saying there are also they're thinking about is curious. This sound crazy? 
if you're returned, like if you buy something and you don't want it, you try to return it. I did see this, that they're going to give you your money back and tell you to keep it. Just keep it. Well, how many people are going to go like take their chances? I might. I don't know. I was going to say, I'm all for, (laughs) hey, I I don't think they should necessarily advertise that. I know. I just don't get it. But again, they're saying the workout clothes, the springtime jackets, the garden furniture, bulky kids toys. So if I buy a new patio set and then I take it back, they're going to give me my money and say, I don't want to restock it. Are you really think this is going to happen? I don't think this is going to happen. I don't know. Maybe I should try it and then report back. (laughs) I mean, I'd just be shocked if, if that's really happening. Um, and I did see that article, though. Yeah, and, and they're just... I mean, what does that tell you about how much they mark up the prices? Oh, that's true of everything. Look at clothes and... Right. So, it, that's one thing. Now, the other thing is, are you cutting back on your vacation? We'll talk a little bit about that, because there's articles now saying a lot of people are. And we've always said that travel is one of the discretionary expenses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one you can cut back on. Right. Right. You can't, you know, you can't really cut back on your real estate taxes. Right. Unless um, it's travel to see family. Well, if you're obligated to travel. Right. Yeah. I, I like guess. now I have two kids out of state. I kind of yeah. feel obligated to go right. see you them got, periodically. Right. And that's a And so with maybe we'll talk a little bit about the different categories of travel. You know, Right. The, because the, for me, it's not necessarily, it's, well, I'll do fun things, but it's. You know, still it's gas prices because they're farther away or looking for airline deals, but it's still a cost. Right. And and so and a lot, we have a lot of discussion. When we work with clients in building their retirement plan models, we always say, yeah, don't bury travel or any discretionary hobby or entertainment type expense in with your other mandatory daily living expenses. Mm-hmm. You want to keep those separated because you want to play what if games. Because if the if it ever gets to the point where your model is saying, hey, you you might not be able to afford this forever, or at least what's your longevity, mm-hmm. you know, how long do you want your plan lasting? Um, and if you're being realistic about that or you're concerned about longevity or, you know, too many, too many baby boomers carry, I don't think are concerned enough about longevity. Right. Um, oh, and, I'm not going to be around. Well, don't yeah. confuse quality versus quantity. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I'm sorry. The nursing homes are full of people that right. probably thought they wouldn't still be here. Yeah. We don't have too many clients above, you know, 95 that are happy about it, but they still have expenses. Right. So yeah, and we have many clients above ninety five. Right. Um, but the the idea is, yeah, it's that. But a lot of people. So what they mean a lot of times when they say that, Carrie, is it is they're talking about. Well, I'm not going to be traveling to Hawaii when I'm eighty five years old. Well, no, that's not how we build the plan model. You know, we build the model that because if if you you don't bury that travel or that hobby expense forever, that's why you don't bury it in your daily living expenses no. that do go on forever, right? So so you go back and you keep that separate. And the idea is you you build in or you budget in the travel for the main travel years, right? Right. And it, and maybe that's ten years, maybe that's fifteen years, maybe it's longer if you're really into travel, right? But in either case, you build that. But now, if you get side, you know, smacked by a, a terrible economy, a U.S. recession, a global shutdown, a you know, a, a stagnation, uh, a stagflation, stagnation, I'm calling it, but stagflation situation now you may be wondering uh oh do i have to cut back because now you built your plan a was working so you had you had your you had your travel going to maybe age 80 and then you still had enough to cover your mandatory living expenses to age 95 everything was good until we have a bad stock market we have a you know right. everything's down this year the 60 40 portfolio's down 17% you know you know this half a year i mean for this you know the s&p 500 carries down 20% in the first 6 months it hasn't been that that's the worst since 1962 60 years this is the worst you know it hasn't been this bad for so 
because of those things, now you're saying, uh-oh, I cannot do both anymore. I cannot do the travel to age 80, or you're wondering if you can still do the travel to age 80. Um, but now we can have, a, there's enough, the way we built the plan is now we can play that what-if game. We could say, okay, let's say the robot's now saying because of this economic downturn and, and what you're projecting to be, uh, the other the other big item, Carrie, was the right. higher inflation, right? Um which gets back to the so you the, got the, higher yeah. inflation and a market downturn, right? So, so the idea is saying, okay, I if I can no longer afford to do the travel like I had originally budgeted till age eighty and keep the daily living expenses because now I have to up my daily living expenses inflation because that's inflation you have to pay, right? Um, right, you know, so you say, okay, I've got it now. It's not lasting. Well, okay, so what do you do? We can talk about ways that you can cut back on a discretionary spending. You know, that you can kind of control the inflation on that. And there's different ways to do that. Um, now, longevity, that's the one, again, the baby boomers aren't getting their arms around. You know, too many times we still hear, uh, you know, the new clients coming in saying, oh, Mark, I'm never going to get to age 90. And uh, we're like, well, why do you say that? I mean, unless you have some chronic health issues that... Yeah, and it's not so much that. It's more so, well, because my dad didn't live that long. Or I don't want to live that long. Well... <laughs> like, if I feel this way now, why do I, you know... Yeah. So, you know, that, that, but, so we have a longevity test. We have a new longevity okay. test out there, Carrie. So we'll do that. We'll, and, and that's, a, and that was put out by the British Journal of Sports Medicine. And it's, it's a way to find out if it's a simple test you can do at home mm-hmm. that tells you if it says you're in a high risk to die within the next 10 years. Isn't that interesting? All right, get us started. All right, good morning, everyone. And again, happy July 4th weekend. I did not realize I was looking at fun facts that actually it was signed on July 2nd. Mm. And that John Adams actually protested as far as when he got invitations for parties for July 4th, he wouldn't attend. <laughs> in protest. He to of keep Although he did write a letter to his wife, Abigail, after they signed it. That he said it would be a very memorable day in American history, and he hoped that people would celebrate with parades and bonfires, and wow. stated in his letter, and how true that is. Um, but good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. We're a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information and financial news and make you aware of choices and opportunities and potential problems that you may not be aware of. We're sponsored by the estate planning team. The estate planning team is an affordable fee-based fiduciary planning firm that's been around Cleveland more than 35 years and helping people, especially during times of economic uncertainty, prepare and what steps they should take, whether you're someone who's working still and already retired. And what we do is financial modeling and objective detailed analysis and help people create income they need as tax efficiently as possible. And one thing now, if you're worried about market declines, we help people know how much risk they should be taking on. Are you someone there or do you know what number or what growth rate you need for long um, ongoing plans or for your financial longevity and or do you know how much risk that really means that you need to take on mark last week you talked about sometimes uh, in the four percent rule example i believe and you can listen to our podcast there's a link to it from our website that you talked about some people going to cash and they don't ever have to be back in the market well certainly that's not everybody but maybe somebody doesn't need to be a 60-40 or a 50-50. Do you know? And that's the value of financial modeling. Why take on more risk? If I can do the spending I want to do and not, I'm not going to run out of money, then wouldn't that give me peace of mind? Um so that's what we do at the estate planning team. We offer a free no obligation consultation and we're offering those by phone or in person and we only recommend our services if you can if you're someone who can benefit. We also have affordable fees. We have comprehensive retainers that help people with analysis recommendations and then implementation and coordination with other advisors and if people need a little bit of help through hourly planning whether it's timing of social security 
pension election analysis, um, Roth conversions, IRA distribution planning, whatever that may be. Or if you have a specific issue, maybe you want a new home scenario. Can I afford this? We have hourly options as well. And take advantage of a free consultation. Find out what you can do um, at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. And you can visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. And I also put the IRA and Roth planning classes on our website. They're not till September, but sign up early. Um, Seating will be limited. So if you go to the website, you can check out those. And I'll be talking um, about those more as we get closer. And that's 440-239-2090 or financialfoodforthought.com. And you're listening to Mark Donnelly and Kara Waddell this morning. All right. So Kara, we got some economic data, right? Mm -hmm. And the first one we got, we got first quarter GDP. And so this is where, again, we're we're keeping our eye on because a lot of people are concerned that we could be headed to a U.S. recession. Maybe not this year, maybe next year, more more than not likely in the next 18 to 24 months. It could happen. Mm -hmm. So we're already halfway through what is technically used as a definition of a recession is two consecutive negative GDP quarters. So we got the first quarter, the third reading on the first quarter GDP. Okay. And it came in at negative 1.6%. The second reading came in at negative 1.5. The first reading came in at negative 1.4. I don't think it's going to reverse, Carrie. Mm-hmm. So we went from 1.4, negative, negative 1.5. The third reading, negative 1.6. So I think pretty much we can hang our hat on that. We had a negative first quarter GDP. So we're halfway to a recession. That's why, you know, the economists always say by the time you, 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 confirm there is a recession you've already in it right you're looking Mm -hmm. in the rearview mirror so that's not good news um, on that front then we also got the personal consumption expenditures index this is the favored inflation meter that the federal reserve likes to use they don't really like to use cpi they think the pce has a more realistic the way they put the numbers together so how did that do? Now we'll, we can look at headline numbers, um, and you know, so year over year, you, you know, for this is the May numbers, it came in at six point three percent. Ouch! Um, now that's obviously less than the CPI that came in at what right. eight point six, um, but six point three. But we're, we're trying to see the trend. So what was it the previous April year over year? It was also six point three. And then what was the previous March year over year? It was 6.6. The 6.6 carry was a 40-year high, right? So then in mm-hmm. April, year over year, 6.3. May, year over year, 6.3. So has it peaked? You know, have we steadied off? Will we? It didn't increase. You know, now, how about the monthly, though? So then we can look at, well, what has it done monthly? Now, this is why there's why some people, well, a lot of the experts or the economists or the Federal Reserve doesn't look like headline because energy and food get in the, in the way, right? So if you look at the month, the month increases, that's the more current trend, right? So for May, it was up 0.60, six tenths of a percent, 0.60. The previous month, it was only 0.2. Hmm. And then the month before that, it was 0.9. So remember we when last month when they, we saw that 0.2, we were all shaking our, our head saying, what's up? How did right. it go from 0.9 to 0.2? And now this month it's back up to 0.6. When year over year seems flat now, but the monthlies was up, down, and back up again. Why? Because of gas. All right. Because the gasoline prices are so volatile, it plays havoc with those headline numbers. So what if we look at what the Fed likes to look at, which is the core PCE? Okay, so core PCE for May year over year came in at 4.7%. Okay, this is excluding food and energy, right? Um, And then in the month previous to that, April year over year, 4.9. So, and then the the month before that, 5.2. 
And the month before that, 5.5. So from the beginning of the year, core year over year has gone from 5.5 to 5.4 to 5.2 to 4.9 to 4.7. That's the trend that the Federal Reserve saying that's what their tools work on. Right. Their tools, they've said it doesn't, their tools really don't help gas prices. Oil prices is a better term for that because you've got things like OPEC and uh, OPEC and right. uh, Putin at war in, in Europe. Okay, that, that that runs havoc with that. Now, how about the month over the month? That's been flat now for three straight months at 0.3 percent. Okay, so again, it, it not it's it's not declining, right. but it's it it it's staying flat. So that is some. So that's why some people are saying, well. Maybe we won't have a recession. Maybe they can, the Federal Reserve can maneuver this soft landing. You know, if they can get this inflation down um, and, and kind of go from there. So, but if you are saying, yeah, I, you know, if you're saying, Mark, I think that I, you know, the Fed's not going to get back to their target of 2% anytime soon. Well, then you have to ask yourself. What were what were you using in your financial model? Were you using the Fed's two percent for inflation? Were you using three percent? Were you using five percent? As a matter of fact, were you using the same rate of inflation for daily living expenses for other types of expense categories like um, health health insurance, mm-hmm. or if you're still in in, in the college education years? Um, or it, you know, it, it, your, your mortgage that doesn't go up with inflation. You got you've got a a fixed mortgage right. that doesn't go up with inflation, right? Um, so this is another reason why how you know how much have you put into your model and how much detail are, so you're getting good results. Um, but in the the idea is if your plan A, let's say you built that a number of years ago before we had this higher inflation okay you may want to build a plan r you know the idea of saying i want to model higher inflation now it doesn't mean necessarily you're going to model higher inflation forever you know I ta- again i talked about that on the last week's show carrie with the using the four percent rule as an example if you modified benjamin's three and a half percent inflation using the four percent model right now how that would adjust your ending uh you know what you could start with and if you know lower than four percent now, so that's, but that's the idea saying, okay, so I want to run an alternate plan where I'm going to assume higher inflation for the next, I don't know, you tell us three years, four years, um, how conservative or, you know, how bad do you think it could be? Um, worst case scenario, you know, that we can do that. See, the, 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 the and, and that is the idea saying, okay, now under that worst case scenario, Am I still going to be okay? Can I still meet that longevity? Okay. Um, now, so are you ready to take the longevity test? Yeah. All right. All right. So this is something we always have discussions with our clients about how long do you want your plan to last? And a lot of times we worry about the ones that say, oh, Mark, I'm not going to get past 82. Mm-hmm. And we're like, Really? Um, now, of course, I'm the wrong person to ask this question, right. Carrie, right? Because um, my father-in-law lived to age 97. My mother-in-law, who's still living with us at age 94. Mm-hmm. My mother, who's living with a brother of mine, will is 96. And the only one of the four that died early was my father. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so I know all about living beyond age 90. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it, it, it's don't con, don't confuse quality of life after age ninety versus the cost of living after age mm-hmm. ninety. All right. Um, so, so one of the so here's the test. I call it the wobbly leg test, Carrie. Okay. Um, so what you do? Are you ready? So you 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 want to stand on one leg. Okay. Okay. Um, and you put your other f- foot behind your leg that you're standing on. Okay. Okay. And you keep your arms at your side mm-hmm. and you look straight ahead. Okay. Okay. Are you ready to try that? No, I'm not trying that on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do that for 10 minutes, Carrie. Oh, no, not, no, not the 10 seconds. 10 seconds. No, I was going to say. 10 minutes might be a little too tough, right? 10 seconds. 
So the inability to stand on one leg for 10 seconds in mid to later life is linked to a near doubling in the risk of death from any cause within the next 10 years. Hmm. What if you just have balance issues and are perfectly healthy? I don't know. That seems a little... <laughs> Does it seem a little un, un- medically scientific? Here? Yeah. Um, here I was with a pen and think you were going to have to like... <laughs> no, it was real simple, You know, Karen. give yourself a one to five, I thought. Um, the researchers wanted to find out whether a balance test might be a reliable indicator of a person's risk of death from any cause within the next decade. Okay. Um, how do they standardize the test? Participants were asked to place the front of the free foot on the back of the opposite lower leg while keeping their arms by their sides and their gaze fixed straight ahead. Up to three attempts on either foot were permitted. Okay, so here are some of the, here are some of the test results, Carrie. In all, around one in five okay, um, participants failed to pass the test. Okay, that's less than I thought. The inability to do so rose in tandem with age more or less doubling at subsequent five-year intervals from the ages 51 to 55 onwards. So the proportions of those unable to stand on one leg for 10 seconds were nearly 5% among the 51 to 55-year-olds, around 8% for the 56 to 60-year-olds, just under 18% for the 61 to 65-year-olds, and just under 37% among the 66 to 70-year-olds. Now, if you go up to the 71 to 75 category, more than half, around 54%, were unable to complete the test. Hmm. Uh, So, uh, there you go. Um, You can try that. So that's the idea that we always say risk, you know, <laughs> you know, be conservative, go with longevity. You know, we, we, you know, one of the dilemmas that the baby boomer has carried a lot of times we talk about is, you know, in other words, if you say, Mark, I want to spend the last dollar in the last day. Do we have any clients like that, Kerr? Mm-hmm. We have a few. Even people with kids say, you know what? I helped yeah. them along the way. That's not my goal anymore. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah. Even people with kids, you know. And, and you might not like your kids. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's your plan, not mine. Um, so you could say, well, Mark, okay. And I could say, okay, you want to spend the last dollar on the last day. So tell me when that's going to be. And I can put the perfect plan together. And, and they say, well, uh, 85. Okay, so we could we can model that with right. the robot and say, okay, we want to you know work the work the investments down to where the investments are approaching zero at age eighty five. Mm-hmm. Now, but here's the issue, Carrie. Here's the dilemma. What happens if you plan to age eighty five, but you die at age eighty? Your plan failed, right? Because you ended up not spending the last dollar in the last day. Right. Because you could have retired earlier. You could have spent more on Hawaii vacations. Right. Or given given more to your children or grandchildren. Right. But what's the greater risk, though? Right. So that's one thing. So, yeah, if you plan to age 85 and die at age 80, your plan failed. But from a financial planner standpoint, it didn't fail in the sense that you didn't run out of money. before. Which life. is a bigger problem. And sometimes yeah. when you get older, you're not doing the travel but people who don't want to go in a nursing home, you have to pay for people to do things, whether it's typically, you know, cut your grass. You want to stay in your house. You want somebody to plow. You want people to clean, bring right. you meals. So let's go the other way. Let's say you plan to age 85, but one of you was unlucky enough to live to age 90. But now that you've gone that, you've run out of money. Well, that plan failed too, Carrie, right? Mm-hmm. So this is what you have to ask yourself at home, which is a greater risk. And that's why most professional planners will say, bank on the longevity, you know, bank on the arrow right. being longevity. You know, hopefully, you know, don't cut your plan too short because you think you're not going to live to that point. Right. And if you want to see how all of these things that are happening today impact the longevity of your plan, or even if you don't have a plan, um, do you know if you're underspending, overspending? Do you know if you 
can afford to retire or if you're in retirement, do you really have an understanding of what you can spend? Um, do you understand how to create that income tax efficiently and use opportunities? Call us for a free consultation. Um, we will get back to you if you leave a message on Tuesday morning because we are out of the office on Monday for July 4th. But you can call 440-239-2090 for the free consultation. Again, we do those by phone or in person. That's 440-239-2090 or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. All right. So you're listening to Mark Dolly and Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. And the estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build these custom financial plans for over 35 years. Mm-hmm. And over those decades, Kara, it's true, we've never had to deal with this inflation that is at a 40-year high, right? Mm-hmm. But we've always, well, we've always dealt and always try to come up with simple steps that you can do to protect you and your family from the next economic downturn. And we certainly have gone through many of those mm-hmm. in our 35 years. <laughs> Not More recently, the Rona recession of 2020, the Great Recession of 2008, and the tech bubble bust of 2000, right? Um, now, so... Here's three steps that we always talk about. It says that, you know, what you can do to protect from the next economic downturn. Okay, one is maintain an adequate cash reserve. Um, and we can't stress that enough, especially if you look at this year when you see that your 60-40 portfolio is down 17% year mm-hmm. to date. Right? Um, and, and, and the volatility, you know, I think, you know, I don't know what the S&P is doing today, Carrie. We're taping the show on Friday. It was down early. It was down big early. I don't know if it's going to be another 2% down day or not. But, you know, volatility is off the charts again. You know, mm-hmm. we've had um, 26 days of, you know, 2% movements in the S&P 500. It's here to date. That's, you know, um, one parabolic move, a 4% move. You know, and of those 26, you know, 14 were down days and 12 were up days. That's the roller coaster, right? That's why it's so hard mm-hmm. to time the market. Right. Um, you know, and, and kind of go from there. All right. Um, so very volatile. So you don't want to sell low. Um, you always, you know, you always heard don't sell low. You maybe you want some cash to buy on the dips. These are reasons why you want to have an adequate cash reserve. And what, how much that should be? Well, that don't ask your neighbor what their cash reserve is. You have to kind of figure it out for yourself. You know, you, you can talk about emergency fund. You can talk about rainy day funds. Right. You can talk about are any are there any big purchases planned? Your new house, um, wedding, a daughter's wedding. You know, what anything, a new automobile. Something I was going to say that, unexpected, a daughter's divorce. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, not that that never happens. Um, so yeah, so and or if you're or if you're just more saying just generally how you do it, you know, if you're in retirement, it's not the same thing. You know, where if you're working, you try to keep maybe six to twelve months of take home wages, you know, in your cash reserve in case you're laid off or something like that. Well, you don't have that risk when you're retired, right? So there are no more wages coming in. So we talk about maybe the spending gap in retirement. That's a difference between what your normal or your planned expenses are for the year less your fixed retirement income, which would be pension, Social Security, and perhaps an annuitized annuity that you've turned on the lifetime contractual income, right? So that's that fixed retirement income. So you take your total expenses, less your fixed retirement income, the difference is the gap or the spending gap, which you have to get from your nest egg, your investment somewhere, right? And maybe that's where if you have to get that, you don't want to get go get that money when, you, when your stocks are down 20%, right? So the idea is you have enough cash reserve to cover your spending gap for 12 months, 18 months. We, Carrie, we have clients who go 24 months. Mm-hmm. Um, it's whatever your peace of mind is. All right. Um, second thing is rebalance. Don't take on more risk than what you need to be okay. This is what we were talking about last right. week, Carrie, that you mentioned. Go ahead. Yeah. And I was going to say, because people don't even know what risk level they need or what growth rate they need. So a lot of times you're worried about, and I know some people, you know, are worried about these market declines. Well, do you really even know how much of your assets should be in the market? And that answer is different for everybody. Right. And so, so that's, and the rebalancing is, yeah, that if, if you, why do you want to take on a lot more risk than what you need to be okay? Or if you're, let's say you were 
targeting 60-40, but because of the previous three years, you might have gotten a lot higher because the prior to this year, the S&P 500 had three double-digit years, right? So that might have pushed your 60 up to closer to 70. So the idea is, did you rebalance? Did you lock in those gains? Now, if you're working with a professional, we don't manage client assets. That's not no. what we do at the estate planning team. But a, a lot of our clients who use professionals, they do rebalance. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're, and if you're doing it yourself at home, are you rebalancing? Or if you're using a professional and you don't know if they're rebalancing, guess what? Maybe you ought to ask them. Okay. So we always say to stay playing team, we don't maybe necessarily have all the answers, but we know what questions you need to be asking your other advisors. And that's part of our coordinated effort. So rebalance to make sure that you're never taking on more risk than what you need to be okay. Um, the third thing is build a plan R, you know, for the uh, re, uh, recession plan or recovery plan, you know, and the idea is model in a worst case scenario. Um, you know, and so, so today we're talking about maybe you want to model in higher inflation for the next three to four years. Um, also an economic downturn, maybe a U.S. recession. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, if you look at the last, I think, 11 U.S. recessions, uh, the, the, the S&P 500, the average decline was about 27.5%. Okay, um, so now hopefully you're not 100% in the S&P 500, obviously, but let's say you were 50-50, right? And, and you think that uh, the, you know, the next recession, your 50% growth is going to be down um, you know, 20%. Well, you only got 50% of your money there, so maybe you're down you know, 10, you know, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, you know, if you're 60, 40, maybe you're down 15, that type of thing. So you can model that, right? And, and we know that all models are wrong, but you know what? Some are useful, right? Um, so those are three things you can do. Um, again, maintain adequate cash reserve, rebalance periodically, and build your plan R to make sure that if we do have worse economic times, you're still okay. Because and and that gets back to that travel issue, you know. Okay, there's a lot of um, talk about well, will Americans continue to travel? You know, there's all that pent up demand travel. I was gonna say, I would say yes, uh, that people will still travel. Maybe they'll budget differently for it, but I think people will. Well, some people will, and some people won't. Right. Um, but the the point is. Do you know if you have to cut back or not? Or mm-hmm. are you just doing it because you feel that you have to, you can't afford mm-hmm. it? Um, or you feel that you have to cut back? Um, that's, you know, I don't know how confident you can be because you, you're feeling it. See, see the, the thing about the travel, again, let's say you were planning a trip that was going to cost $10,000. At least that's what you thought the trip was going to cost. But because of inflation, you find out it's going to be closer to 15000 So your immediate knee-jerk reaction may say, oh, I got to cancel the trip. Right? Mm-hmm. Or it may be what we sometimes we talk about, since the travel is discretionary, you cancel that trip, but you still take a trip for $10,000. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be somewhere. It's not going to get as far. Right. Or if you're going on a cruise or something, you're not going to do as many excursions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, or the ones that are really just panicking, just cancel it and say, well, I guess that bucket list ain't going to happen. But sometimes people make those decisions without really knowing their numbers because we have clients that should make adjustments to travel or people even coming in for the free consultation. Um and other people that don't have to that absolutely just cancel their trip because they're worried. And that's the thing is it's breaking out those expenses. I know you talked about in the beginning rebalancing and cash flow. People also a lot of times don't know really where their spending's going. They're assuming based on coming in their checkbook's fine. There are a lot of people that really don't track their spending at the level they should be. They're fine today, they may be fine in 2 years, but do they know if wages oh, yeah. end especially what about the long term? Oh, there's many clients that get offended if you mention the word budget. Right. 
And that's why a lot of professionals will use the word cash flow planning. Right. Because people get so upset when you think when they think that you're trying to put them on a budget. And it's not you're putting out it's just getting a handle on where your money's going. Right. It, it's the first step of getting better at the whole plan. In other words, including tax planning by the way. Um, you know, you can get really good at you know, if you're concerned about paying too much in taxes or trying to take advantage of some of the tax opportunities, well, that there's a lot of arbitrary tax thresholds in our code. You know, when if your income starts going through a certain level, bad things start happening mm-hmm. to your taxes. Right. Um, and the idea is saying, well, you if you can get really good at knowing exactly how much cash flow you need in any one year, you can get really good at making sure you're not paying too much in taxes. And creating possibly future tax efficient income, but it, you still need to come down. Whether we call it we call it a budget, but we also call it a maintenance of lifestyle. It's you need to know where your money's going because I promise you, over the years, people have made money that we're saying, okay, if your income's this and you say your expenses are this, something's missing, and we find out they're spending a lot more, or one of the spouses is spending a right. lot more. Sometimes I remember over the years there was one. Over, I mean, it's been 20 years ago. Remember that? I think the wife was spending an extra 50000 on shopping a year. You know, or uh, that was I a mean, tough so, conversation. Right. But I'm just saying, sometimes it's not that level, but sometimes it's substantial amounts that people don't even realize. Right. And, and, and other times, it, it goes both ways. Right. We, we've also had clients who came in in their initial, you know, expense uh, schedules. And we knew they couldn't be spending that much. Right. And they we, were overshooting because they're still underspending. Right. Because, you know, we, we and, 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 it, and a lot of times because they had errors in their, they, they were doing a spreadsheet at home or they were using one of the software programs and they double counted expenses. Or they're just upping a higher amount. But in reality, they could be, instead of worrying to cancel the trip, actually, instead of a 10,000, they can afford to do 15. For the same amount of time, but they don't know. So again, building an accurate cash flow. And now if you've never done it before, it's tough Mm -hmm. the first time you do it. It's easier the second time and it's easier, much easier the 15th time you do it. Or for us, the thousandth time. You get into a cycle and once you, and sometimes it takes a year or two to go through a cycle. Mm-hmm. So so you re, you really ferreting out, you know, you know, misconceptions about your spending that you may have and that didn't even realize there were mm-hmm. misconceptions. Um, you know, that's that's that that's the power of good financial planning. It leaves you in a decision-making mode. And now you have a way of tracking your progress. So at the end of the year, if the projected modeling net worth it doesn't come anywhere near where you, th- in reality, let's say your real, ca- you know, cash reserve at the end of the year is nowhere near the model projected it to be. Mm-hmm. You have a way of figuring out why, and 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 do you have a bad assumption in there? Was it an unplanned expense? In either case, you you can get better. You marked, you, you know, you 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 ferret out the the mistakes and the bad assumptions. You enter them with better assumptions, so the model gets more accurate. Mm-hmm. But you you need to get started. Right. Um, so back to the, 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 the vacation, you know, so, so sometimes the idea of the vacation is, okay, what was my example, Carrie? Oh, 50. Okay. You thought the trip was going to cost 10,000, but with the inflation, it's really going to cost 15. So you, now you're going to say, I'm going to do 10 or I'm just saying, I'm I'm canceling it. it. Right. And, and, and when the price comes back down to 10, maybe I'll do it. Mm -hmm. But see that, that what I'm saying is really in, in reality, whether you spend ten thousand this year on travel or fifteen thousand this year on travel, you're not running out of money this year, right? See, in just some weird way, it affects how long your money right. lasts. In other words, it, it, let's say you were planning to have the money last to age ninety-five. Mm-hmm. So now you had ten thousand a year in for travel. Well, now the real price is fifteen. Does that substantially reduce that longevity from age 95? That math is tough to do in your head. 
Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it, it, it's not so hard if you're only, obviously, we're doing one year, but I'm saying, let's say your, your plan budget for retirement travel was 10 a year for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it's now going to be 15 a year for the next 10 or something like that. So, so our clients who are in that position, they don't have to make a knee jerk reaction. They can just, um, we can just go back into the model and say, okay, we had 10,000, let's up it to 15,000, and now let's run all, you know, let's look at the plan and say, okay, is it still going to be okay? Now, let's say it does reduce. Okay, well, does it reduce it from age 95 to age 94, or does it reduce it from age 95 to age 90? And we're just using travel. It could be any right. discretionary expense, right? Um, so the idea is saying, Okay, if if it's reducing it to a place where you're no longer comfortable, then you go back and say, okay, I have to adjust the travel amount. So there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can say, okay, I'm I'm gonna one, I'm I'm not gonna do the fifteen and travel. I'm gonna keep to my ten thousand budget. Or another way of doing it is saying, well, I budgeted originally the ten thousand for twenty years. Well, it's really gonna be fifteen, but so how many years at the end do I have to cut off? Right. If I can no longer do a 20 mark, can I do it for 15 years? Can I do it for 18 years? See, this is what your Monte Carlo analysis probably isn't telling you because you don't know how to manipulate it to get that type of detail. That's what we try to help our clients with and say, yeah, we if we build the model correctly, we should be able to play these different what-if games and with all the discretionary spending, mm-hmm. gifting, travel, home improvements, hobbies, all of it. All right. And that's how we help clients. And then we build those different cases. Once we have a good handle on expenses, we build a base case we call plan A. And then do you want to see a worst case scenario of whether that's retiring early or forced retirement, higher inflation um, on different types of expenses, a recession with the slow growth recovery, how bad do you want it to look like? Or if you're worried about, I mean, that's just an example of people, things people face now. Do you want to see a future long-term care expense inflated out? Do you want to see a premature death of a spouse? Whatever that may be, we can model that worry in. So you know, if this thing happens that's in the back of your mind, this is how I need to adjust, which makes people more comfortable in making those financial decisions for spending today. And if you'd like to take advantage of our free consultation by phone or in person, give us a call or send us an email through our website. Um, You'll get a response and you can sign up for our September classes through the website, the newsletter as well. And also, if you want to check us out our more information on who we are and what you, if you're a new listener this weekend, you can check out our reviews at the Better Business Bureau and Google and Angie's List. Um, that's 440-239-2090. Again, that's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right. Um, so... Why don't you get some other things going on this summer? So here's some um, tips for if uh, for your either your high school, you know, children are going to be looking for work this summer, or maybe at work, mm-hmm. or maybe your recent college grad. Oh, you know, play this. Okay. The anthem will be followed by a flyover of F-16 jets from the 56th Tactical Training Wing at MacDill Air Force Base. You didn't and like my opening song, Carrie, so... No. I like the song. the of Maestro Yaha Ling and sung by Grammy Award winner Whitney Houston. You remember this, Carrie? I love Whitney's voice.
1991 during the Persian Gospel. She could sing. auto-tune there <laughs> not like today's people do you ever hear like people now you hear they sound great on the radio and then live it's terrible yeah she i remember i saw that live and that that was something i, I and that might have really started the the real people paying attention mm-hmm. you know and she did that brave at the end was, I, I don't know if she was the first one to extend that brave to make it almost like a three-syllable brave, right. right um but that and, and yeah, that was a fantastic rendition mm-hmm. that I think will be good choice, copied Mark. forever. So so all right. So prior to that, what was another time? Oh, just if you got if your kids are working. All right. So a lot of times, your kids are working or college grad is, is getting a job. They're only going to be working six months in mm-hmm. the, in the first year, and so it's almost you can. They're going to get a lot of, you know, the payroll departments are going to take the payroll withholding taxes. Right. And their kids are going to end up getting a refund, right? They're going to be waiting around for a refund, right? Right. Because they typically, unless they're making a lot, a lot of money, right? Right. Uh, But usually they do single with none. Right. But the idea is if if they're the college grad who may be at a higher wage base, um, that they're going to be taxable, but... They're only working half a year, but right. the payroll departments will treat it as if they're working a full year. Correct. Okay, so they'll start a withholding level based on they were working for 12 months. Okay, so that's why they're going to end up getting a refund for that first short year. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can though, tell them not to do that. Okay. Um, so, you, you know, a tip for college grads who are starting a full-time job this summer. Use part-year withholding to boost your paycheck and have less tax withheld. The standard federal tax withholding tables assume you'll earn a full year's income when figuring how much income and tax to take out. The part-time method is for people who work 245 or fewer days in a year and sets withholding according to what you earn during the part of the year you're on the job. You know, and your employer, you know, go over this with your employer. And for the summer jobs, you you know, the smaller dollar amounts, yeah, you can just write exempt below step 4C on the W-4 form. Fill out the other steps. And right. They even have a whole thing. So those are a couple tips to help your youngins if you don't want to get the refunds. All right. Call for a free consultation at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com and have a happy, happy. July 4th weekend and stay safe. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.